0: North Carolina, discovered the reason for existence, and then he offered to sell it on eBay for the highest bid. It sold for a whopping $3.26. Neither buyer nor seller disclaimed what his revelation actually was. Well, I'm also a recent user of eBay. Uh, In cleaning out my mom's house a couple of years ago, and us kids had to get all of our stuff, Um, that also included for me a lifelong collection of Madame Alexander dolls. You may not have any clue what those are, but uh, I collected eight-inch beautiful Madame Alexander dolls from in, in native dress from countries all over the world. Oftentimes I would get like one for my birthday or one for my birthday and Christmas. I had over, around 60 dolls um, in total. And as much as I loved them, I had no use for them now. So I made the difficult decision that I would start selling them on eBay so maybe other people could um, love them as much as I had. Well, last week I sold a, a group of eight dolls. And in in that set included my very, the first doll I received when I was one years old and it was from Mexico, the Madame Alexander from Mexico. And as you can imagine, her, um, she was very loose. The bands that held her together were old, like me. And uh, I, Full disclosure, I shared that that was the case and that her arms and head were a little loose. Um, sure enough, when I, after selling them, I'm packaging, I'm making sure that all I've got the correct dolls for this box, and her head falls off into my hand. And I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? There's a difference between the bands are loose and she has been decapitated. So I click on you know, Google is an amazing thing. And I clicked on the computer and looked up how do you reattach the head of a Madame Alexander doll. And I learned how to use rubber bands and restring this doll. I was quite proud of myself. Uh, It Probably wasn't perfect, but I felt good because I could at least um, live up to the expectations that I had promised for this buyer, and that was very important to me to fulfill the promise that I had made in the description uh, before shipping out these dolls, uh, and so um, so that this person's expectations would be met. I'm not sure that that's how it always works on eBay, that all the promises are fulfilled. In 2002, there was an eBay post that advertised the sale of an entire working town. Y'all had its own zip code, and it said all it needed was a proper developer, and it would go to the highest bidder. This was the town of Bridgeville, California. Well, it Uh, An anonymous businessman actually bid on it, $1.77 million. Uh, But he ended up backing out of the deal after visiting the community and realizing what condition this town was actually in. Um, The town actually did find a buyer later that year, but for a lot less. Um, I have no idea if that buyer's expectations were met once he or she received this new working community. The truth is you can find all kinds of things on eBay or Amazon or Etsy until you receive that package and you open it up. Do you know if it is what you were expecting it to be or if it will accomplish the purpose that you had envisioned that you would use it when you purchased it? And maybe you find yourself in that position now a few days after Christmas. You've received your gifts, and maybe they were the thing that you put on that wish list, and so now you're trying to figure out if that wish list item that you hoped for would be everything you wanted it to be. Do the clothes fit? Will you actually use the tools to, uh, for the, the purpose in mind? Do they work? If we shift that thinking to a spiritual or theological level, Here's what that might look like now in the season we find ourselves in. He looks like a baby boy. He looks like a typical baby boy. He cries like a baby. He sleeps like a baby. He eats and does everything like a baby. I sure hope this baby is special. I sure hope this baby lives up to all of the hype. Those shepherds and wise men had some pretty remarkable statements, let alone what Gabriel said. Is this what a Messiah baby looks like? Yeah, maybe it would sound a little bit like that. The baby has come, but we're trying to figure out how are things actually different? Because Jesus looks and acts like a baby. Maybe our scripture lesson for this morning will shed some light on this idea of What we do with waiting for the promise of Jesus to be fulfilled. I'm reading from Luke 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition. So that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Fenewal, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84 year old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshipped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord... They returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew up and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. This is one of the few scriptures that we have that tell us anything, something, about Jesus from the time of his birth to the time of his baptism. We can count on one hand these stories that we have from scripture. This one tells us several things about Jesus, about the Holy Family, and about us. We know that Joseph and Mary are being faithful to the law because Jesus is eight days old. And they have come to the temple to take care of several of the ritual requirements for both the baby and the mother. We know that Joseph and Mary were of eager means because one of the rituals required a sacrifice. And all they could afford was the cheap option, which was either turtle doves or pigeons. I think it's a powerful testimony to us that Mary and Joseph are being faithful to these religious practices. It's almost as if they've entered the temple to introduce their baby to the covenantal community that is part of their faith practice. There's value in participating in these rituals and as we see that practice ends up bringing blessings onto their family in some unexpected ways. But that wouldn't have happened if they hadn't obediently visited the temple to bring Jesus for his naming ceremony. Can you imagine this scene, though, that I just read, how it would have really played out? Simeon, a man scripture describes as being very faithful and devout, has been told, first of all, he isn't going to die until he sees the Savior. And then the Spirit uh, instructs him, guides him to make his way to the temple. He's been waiting, and he's looking. We don't know how he knew, but he knew that Jesus was the one he was waiting for. Mary and Joseph enter the temple and before they know it, a strange man, and we imagine that he was probably older, approaches them, takes the baby and says, Thank you, God, for letting me reach this day. I can die happy now because I have seen this baby that you told me to wait for, this special baby. Now I can also imagine that Mary and Joseph, they are bursting with joy at this news that they are hearing from this stranger until Simeon says the next part. Simeon looks at Mary and says, This boy, this boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. Okay, got to run. Take care now. Like that's the last we see of Simeon. He drops that bomb on them and then takes off. And it's a strange response. As preacher John Ortberg says, when talking about Simeon's song, this child is the hope of the world. He's the hope of the Gentiles, not just the Jews. He's what Simeon has been waiting for his whole life long but he will, Jesus, will be spoken against. In other words, some people will oppose him. Some people will resist him, and some still do. And that great plan is coming to Mary. And by the way, one day, ultimately, Um, When Jesus would go to the cross and his side would be pierced by a sword and when his side is pierced by that sword, you know Mary remembered those words that were spoken to her so long ago by that strange man in the temple when Jesus was just a little baby. A sword will pierce you also. And it did. You have to wonder what Mary and Joseph are thinking at this point. What have we gotten ourselves into? What is this baby going to do? Who are we to raise him? And they haven't even had a minute to process what Simeon has said to them. And lo and behold, they run into someone else. Anna, a prophet and a widow who has also been faithfully hanging out in the temple, recognizes Jesus for who he is as well. Verse 38 says she approached at that very moment, began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We don't get the same detailed speech that we did with Simeon, but the point is made that she affirms the same thing Simeon did. She saw in Jesus the redemption of Israel. Now, Mary and Joseph have been affirmed twice by faithful strangers in the temple that this new baby is, in fact, special. They keep getting messages that are consistent to what God promised them from the beginning. They're beginning to have a sense that this gift just might be what it, he was hyped to be. But here's the challenge for them and for us today. It will still be years before they will know for sure. This was not the kind of gift they could just pull out of the box and try on and see if it fits or plug in and see if it works. It will take patient waiting and time before God's promises will ultimately be fulfilled. But wait. We just went through this season of waiting and anticipating Jesus' birth. Now you're saying we gotta wait some more? This does not bode well for our strong sense of instant gratification. Welcome to the world of following Jesus. God's timing is never our timing. You see, God really did come in the form of a baby and he didn't pop out an instant Messiah and start operating like Cupid, um, directing people and making things happen while wearing diapers. It would be 30 years later before Jesus's earthly ministry would start and it would be 33 years total before his resurrection would finalize the most important part of God's promise to us. 33 years though, Seems like a drop in the bucket compared to the generations that Israelites and Jews had been waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled of this anticipated Messiah. So how did Mary and Joseph know Jesus was what God told them he would be? I imagine that these reports and these interactions with all of these strangers were important in building their trust and affirming that they weren't crazy. Mary probably, though, didn't really know for sure until she saw that cross and then especially when she saw that empty tomb. Preacher Tom Long talks about the power of promises in one of his sermons. He says our culture tells us that we can be real selves only if we claim our right to self-satisfaction and self-fulfillment. But a free self knows that he becomes a genuine self by making commitments to other people, promises that he intends to keep even when keeping them exacts a price. Some people ask, who am I? And they expect the answer to come from their accomplishments. Other people ask, who am I? And expect the answer to come from what other people think about them. A person who dares to make and keep promises discovers who she is by the promises she has made and kept to other people. I love this. I think this gives us insight into both who Jesus is, but also into who we are as well. If we're trying to figure out who Jesus really is, and we use as one of the metrics to determine that is how Jesus makes and keeps promises, we realize understanding who Jesus is is answered by far more than what he has accomplished or what others think that he is. We can look at the promises that he makes and keeps in order to affirm that he is the Son of God, that he has come to set us free and to shower us with grace and love in order for us to be the children of God we were intended to be. If we're also trying to figure out who we are, then maybe we should not just look at all that we have accomplished or listen to what other people say about us, but look at the promises that we have made And which of the promises have we actually kept? Then you might begin to know a little bit better who you are. I believe from what I've experienced, from what I've read in scripture, what I've studied historically, that Jesus did in fact grow up to be what Simeon and Anna recognized him to be. The salvation of the world. The tricky part of this gift though is that it is an ongoing reception. While Jesus offers us salvation today, we know that that doesn't fully bear fruit until Jesus comes again. A future promise for generations to come. In other words, a gift that requires us to wait a bit more. A gift that we can enjoy some of the benefits now, but not all of them, not to its fullest capacity, It's like a medicine that we start taking that makes us feel better, but we aren't quite healed yet. And this waiting, this is a good skill for us to have, for us to nurture. As we prepare to enter into a new year following one of the craziest years we've ever lived through, we still have some more waiting to do. We celebrate the coming of vaccines that will come across our country. They already have started. But it's going to be months before everyone gets access and before the vaccine starts taking effect. Months of still living in this altered kind of way. Life is still a work in progress. Jesus is still a gift in progress. And I think this story probably sums it up for us. Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, died um, several years ago. And what she chose to have engraved on her gravestone, it had nothing to do with her remarkable achievements or accomplishments in her life. It had nothing to do with what other people said about her. It had to do with the fact that as long as we are alive, God will be working on us and we wait. You see, she had been driving one day along a highway through a construction site and there were miles of detours and cautionary signs and machinery and equipment. We've all been there. She finally came to the last one, And the final sign read, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. And that's what is written over Ruth Graham's grave. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. In this life, we wait. Everybody here is under construction. So friends, don't lose patience. Don't give up because it's all about Jesus. Because the Jesus, uh, because in Jesus the invasion of Earth to heaven by heaven has begun, and it has begun in earnest, and it will be carried through until God's saving work is done and heaven has indeed been brought to bear here on Earth. Then and only then will we see the end of construction. Until then, be patient. Practice the art of waiting, because I promise God is good for God's word. And the package, the gift, the present will meet your expectations. Amen.